Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to tonight's outspoken event with uh, Ellen Van Nieven and Henry Reynolds. My name's Stephen Lang, and I'll be your host tonight for this special event. Now, I have to say that it is incredibly encouraging to see such a fabulous turnout tonight for this event. Uh, I think it's a credit not just to the remarkable authors that we've got here tonight, but also to you as a community, to this community and its surrounds that there are so many people interested in the kinds of things that we're going to be discussing. So without any further ado, please let me introduce my first guest tonight, who is Ellen van Nieven. Ellen is a, a writer of both the Monanjali and Dutch heritage. She belongs to the Yugamba people of the Gold Coast and the Scenic Rim. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay. Uh, last year, her book, Heat and Light, won the David Janiapan Award in the Queensland Literary Awards. The book was published by UQP only a couple of months ago and has gone on to garner seriously good reviews. This is not really so surprising, though, as Ellen's short fiction, poetry and memoir have already been published in such august journeys, journals as McSweeney's. Ellen works at the State Library of Queensland as part of the Black and White Indigenous Writing and Editing Project, which aims to support and promote Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island writers. She's also the editor of the digital collection Writing Black, New Indigenous Writing from Australia. And as you can see, she's quite young and has already achieved enormous things and is going to go on to do much more. Please put your hands together to welcome Ellen Van Nieuwen. So, Ellen, one of the major themes in your writing is identity, isn't it? I mean, the, the idea of Aboriginality and what that might mean in the present, in the present Western society that we live in, dominant yeah. society. Yeah, I write about Aboriginal families. Um, I'm particularly interested in uh, different generations, the differences, and, and, and also, yeah, you know, being young, I'm, I'm, I write mostly young characters um, who are... Uh, yeah, kind of finding their way in the world and, and, and doing so differently. Um, sort of having this sense of family responsibility and, uh, you know, strong ties to where they come from, uh, but also um, having desires of freedom and, and wanting to, to leave the places they're from and explore um, different things. I mean, I'm thinking when I asked that question in particular about the character in Heat, Colin, I mean, perhaps I should say this, this book that you've written, Heat and Light, it's actually, uh, it's not a novel, it's a... What, you tell us what it is. What, is. what is Heat and Light in terms of its structure? Yeah, I think um, it would fit uncomfortably as a novel, but also uncomfortably as a short story collection, which I kind of like, you know. Um, I... I didn't set out for it to be a, a perfect fit. Um, I like that it's it kind of it's it's challenges the way that, that you read it and, and people can read it differently. Um, it's it's broken up into three parts: um, heat, water, and light. Um, and heat is is about a, different generations of a family and a family secret uh, surrounding a, an ancestor called Pearl. And so, as the different family members start to unravel this secret. They also are, are discovering more about themselves and their place in the family as well. Um, and then the second part, Water, is a, a speculative fiction piece about um, a near future 
Uh, we're Australia, Australia is a republic and uh, we have a government that, that is, is going in a dangerous, um, dangerous direction and you know, I do have a little bit of fun with that one as well. You know, the new national anthem is uh, a Jessica Malboy song. Um, and then, then the third part is uh, small pieces um, so, uh, about Queensland and also about, you know, recent events in Queensland like the floods. So what I, the question I began to ask then before that was about Colin yeah. uh, in, in the first series of stories. Because it, that heat is in itself a series of short stories, isn't yeah. it? Each one is a separate character, even though they all belong in the same family. Colin is, uh, has kind of denied his Aboriginality and moved away from it. And you get first the perspective from the family, which is that somehow he's abandoned them. But it's not quite what the story is, is it? Yeah, what I wanted to do in Heat was... You know, if you have a, a, a story within a family, everybody is always going to tell it differently, you know. Um, so I wanted to show those different perspectives. So Colin, uh, you know, as far as the family has concerned, he's gone off, you know, at a young age. Uh, when he's a teenager, he's gone off to Sydney um, and he hasn't kept in contact with the family and, you know, is, is living um, not as an Aboriginal person, you know, is... is pretending is something else um, and has, has a new family in Sydney and um, he gets back in touch with the family um, and he's wanting a, a confirmation of Aboriginality form uh, from the community. And so the community are, are, are quite hostile to that, particularly um, Colin's cousin Amy, who she's in a position where she has to make that decision. And they, when they grew up together, Colin and Amy, they were quite close, you know, they, they Amy and Colin, they both share memories of um, playing um, on, on quad bikes um, on, on their country and, and listening to their grandmother talk. Um, and so Amy is quite hurt about, um, about Colin. Um, and, but then we, we go back and we see Colin's perspective on this. Yeah, um, and which he, is quite different and quite... Yeah. And, and, and there's violence and, and, and a lot of grief involved in that. Yeah, a lot of trauma. Yeah, yeah. Colin um, it was, is a fair-skinned um, Aboriginal boy um, in a school where there's no other Aboriginal kids. Um, and he's, he grows up um, being quite outward about his culture, you know, all the stories that his grandmother and his mother have told him. He lives in this kind of uh, really basic... Um, place on, on a property and, um, and his grandmother tells him stories about the mountain that they can see from the property um, and, and he goes back to school and tells his stories and the kids, um, you know, they're, they're not very accommodating but they also, um, you know, they don't go too far um, mm. until um, another Indigenous student um, comes to the school and this is Mia and she's uh, from up Northway and she's quite... Um, dark-skinned and immediately the the tide shifts and and the, the, the students in the class become very um, hostile towards her and she's bullied and, and Colin is starting to to see that you know what the what the world is like really and um, and as you know as, as these incidents and, get and more and more extreme he's Sorry. No, I was just yeah. going to say, but one of the things is that he, because he is a fair-skinned, he has that choice, really, in some yeah. ways. He can choose to be an Aboriginal or not. Yeah, he, he can choose to be invisible if he wants to be, yeah. Yeah. 
which is which is must be a very difficult place to be in. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I, but I just I thought, yeah. okay, moving on though. But in water, you said that you've got this speculative future. One yeah. of the things about it that I found fascinating is that uh, affirmative action has kind of really become it's it's, it's gone haywire, hasn't it? Uh, that there is a, 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 a an attempt to try and make Aboriginality even more uh, prominent in the society than it is. Well, there's a miscommunication or mistranslation on, you know, what's what's best for Aboriginal people sometimes, um, that these sort of, you know, that like the intervention and those sort of um, policies have, have gotten wrong. Um, and it's really, um, you know, it's really Aboriginal people that are going to know what's, what's best for themselves, yeah. And so, that, yeah, this happens in the story, you know, lots of, lots of things happen. Um, and, and basically, um, the the current um, the current pre president um, Tanya Sparkle uh, wants to create a a new country and, and by you know mining up the islands and creating this this huge block of land uh, where Aboriginal people can live. You know, she wants to she thinks that, that that's what they want another country. Um, rather than ignoring the problems of, of this country that we, we're here, yeah. Well, look, it's probably a good time to have a, a bit of a reading from you. Have yeah. You, have you got yeah. something you'd like to read from the book? Yeah. I'm going to read about Pearl, uh, who I mentioned earlier, um, grandmother of Amy and Colin. The first time Pearl Cressinger was taken by the wind, we were both 12. It had been raining so long, the water reached the library of our school on the hill. But it was a wind, cyclonic, that kept anyone with common sense inside. Not Pearl. She went out on the beach. She was standing on the jetty, star-posed, and everyone saw her. She seemed to fight with the wind for a moment. Her torso wrenched back and her chin to the sky. But then we saw her fall into the grey water. Trying to save her, one man yelled out he had felt her skin, but in the next wave, he was gone. A day later, she came out with her hair streaked white and the wind had settled. She didn't stay at school, none of them did, though I traced her through the years. Her skin was burnt butter, her forehead small and high, her fingers straight, her nails blue-gray from a permanent chill. She wore a red floral dress that dropped her foot off her narrow shoulders. Her now black and white hair was waxy and feather-like, stretching down her back and creeping from behind her ears into her mouth when she turned to you. I could tell what others couldn't. Her ears weren't really there. Her eyes hissed and some of her teeth were missing. But the men followed the dance of her hair from back to mouth. When the wind was kicking in, and I'd be walking home from school near the beach through empty car parks before the streetlights turned on, I'd see her between buildings, her hair entwined, her face in someone's neck, a man mostly, though there were women. It seemed all were hopeless against her. After school, I moved across the border and off 
the coast to a stopover town and I got a quiet job behind the counter serving truckies. I heard about a freak storm in the early 50s, Pearl Cressinger cheating death for the second time. The wind ripped the Cressinger tent up into a tree. The others ran for shelter and Pearl stood there and let it lift her. She went into the electricity wires and they curled into each other like lovers as she was jolted. Her brother moved to her lifeless body and she touched him and he took her place. The people of the town drove her out of there. No one would touch her again. She lived in the hills for a while and then she came to my town and into my store. I was jealous at the sight of her. The truckies passing through the store did not know of her curse. It wasn't just that she was bunjalung that made them think she was beautiful. It was a way she duck called. Thank you. While I was doing some research on you, one of the things I, I had heard you say was that, I'm, I might be paraphrasing this, was that the deepest conversation you can have is, uh, is, is told by fiction. Is that correct? What did you mean by that? Yeah, I think um, in comparing other art forms like film or theatre, um, you're not getting into someone's head the way that you, you are reading a book. And I feel like... Um, even with non-fiction, I feel like fiction has that sort of power over you. Um, where, you know, I've, I talked to um, a friend of mine called Larissa Barrent, who's uh, the author of Home, which is, you know, one of the books that I think that, that every Australian should read. Um, and she was a lawyer before she was a novelist. And she said that in her work, um, you know, the facts, they just weren't reaching people's hearts the way that she could with writing fiction. That's, that's very true. And so what are you doing next? What's your next project? Where are you going from here? Uh, working on a couple of projects. Um, uh, working on a collection of poetry that um, explores the idea of food and family um, and also a novel uh, which is about um, extinct animals and um, megafauna and, and Aboriginal connections to these animals. Well, we wish you all the best with it. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank no, you for coming for to the landing. <laughs> <laughs>